Hey everybody and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they are blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. I'll share with you the process I used for starting my company and you too can be on your way to starting your very own service-based company. We'll work through some common issues that are preventing you from starting your own company and fulfilling your own true potential. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody else who might be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is very much within your reach. And just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the exact same way. This takes two things for that to happen. One is we have to put out some great content. The other is you have to help share our valuable message. We know that many of you out there are on different social media groups for your various trades, skills, and crafts. Facebook groups, for example, are begging for this kind of info virtually every day. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based company, please do us a favor and drop a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch. Dave. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? I am so excited that this is the last of the core episodes. I know. And I don't mean it like we're done. Nope. But I mean it like we're moving on to something else, it's, which is which is what other people should be excited about with their businesses. Yeah. Once you've reached a small goal, you're going to keep on moving, you know. And Marcus, he, you know, he, he's the one that has said whether I can be on the show or not. <laughs> and he so far has said he can be, keep being on it. Right. You know, we had a big, long talk earlier. We're good. He says, yeah, you know, maybe a few more. Maybe a few so, more. So, you know, I just, I want to say thanks How's it to going, guys? Marcus, it's, my main man. We, we got, going? we got Marcus behind the microphones, behind the cameras. He's a voice <laughs> nice. that's often heard, but never seen. I love and it. you guys are welcome for I that. I love it. You we guys are waking really, me up from my nap, man. You know, people see, people see the nine episodes. Nine's a small number. You know what, for us, it's been a lot of you know, growth. Well, and a lot of work, a lot of prep, a lot of uh, bonding. I, yeah. you know, I want to say, yeah. And it's it's been. I'm happy to be a part of it. And with the format of the show, it's kind of weird. But after the nine episodes, like this is where things get started. Like we had yeah. all of this information that we yeah. had to get out there to give you the tools that you need, kind of the course overview, so to speak. Right. Finally, we're at the point where this show is really going to start to get a lot of fun because now we get really interactive with our listeners. Yeah. And, and, and we learn about their stories their Right. You know what they had to overcome. And it's, it's not just going to be learning and preaching, you know, certain things. We're going to be learning stuff too. Hey, yeah. wow. I had no idea yep. that X, you know, was a problem. Right. You know, right. because they were in a different industry than, than we have been in. Yeah. So I, I, man, I'm just, I'm super stoked. About it's it. it's going to be a lot of fun. So at the end of this episode, we're going to be uh, giving you guys an email address where you can email oh, yeah, in questions. Right, yeah. And, and so you'll be able to email in questions um, that, that you have after listening to the nine episodes. If you still have questions about uh, how to start your company or struggles that you're having with your newer company, and, and we're going to do our best to help you work through those. So um, 
the the other cool thing that happens after these core nine episodes is we're going to get to a point where we're bringing on guests and these guests are going to be people that have started their own businesses and we'll be able to talk with them face to face about <clears throat> interactions that they had struggles that they you know encountered in their first years of yeah. business things we would have never thought of also we're going to talk about things that they recognize that they did well and they're glad they did. And so, which is basically the basis of this episode right, for us. Right. You right. Know, and I, I mean, we're going to go over there. You know, normally I read the, the preparation steps and the beginning steps. I'm going to make Mitch do it today. Yeah. But so, so before we get, you know, too far on, why don't we, let's rehash. Yeah. And I'm going to ask Mitch, what are the preparation steps? What are the beginning steps and what episodes have those been in? Yeah, so in previous uh, episodes, we've discussed our six steps needed for success when you're starting your business. Uh, we broke those step, six steps into to two groups. One is the preparation steps. These are steps that you right. need to be actively doing before you start your business. The next group is the beginning steps, and these are steps that you've, you've read about and you know about before you're starting your business, but you're not actively working on them until after you've started your business. Uh, and so the first step is personal finance preparation, and we covered that in episodes one and two. Really, more yes. more episode two than one. Yes, and, and episode one was really, you know, it was a recap. It yeah. was... It was like a preparation on the preparation. Yeah. But but there's there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. Episode one was kind of outlining the, the the outline for the show, but also making sure that you had the right vision for your company. Yeah, the why you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, um, step number two was business finance preparation, and that was found in episode three. Um, step number three is systems preparation. And this consumed episodes four, five, and six. And if you're going to go back and, and listen to them and, and you're not sure exactly, it, I went back and, and listened to them. Mm -hmm. So four, five, and six. I listened to four and five twice yeah. each because I, there's a lot of info in there and I, was, I, I wanted to make sure that it came across as... Um, I shouldn't say came across... I wanted to make sure that information was out there and it is in those steps. Mm -hmm. But if you need to listen to it twice, it's kind of like when you read a book and you're like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. It, or, or it doesn't when you take a lot of time to just, you know, re-listen. Yeah. So, and, and we didn't talk about this in pre-prep, but you know, they were, there's a lot of really good information yeah. in episodes four, five, and six. It, it's like watching a movie where the second time you watch it, you catch things that you didn't notice the first time. Exactly. So, um, and, and that's why we're doing this in podcast form is so you can go back and re-listen and re-listen. So, yeah. um, so the, the other three steps are the beginning steps. You're working on these after all your preparation steps are complete. So step four is community involvement work. And that was covered in episode seven. And we summarized that also uh, <clears throat> with a hashtag of find the need, fill the void. And, um, so as you are getting your business rolling and you're sharing about some of the community involvement work you're doing, feel free to use that hashtag, find the need, fill the void. That hashtag, uh, has two facets to it. One, anybody who's never listened to this podcast will understand what that means. It means that you are actively yeah. seeking out a need mm -hmm. in your community and you're taking care of that need. Anybody who has listened to this podcast will also know exactly what that means. I They'll know that, that you episode. are a listener of this episode. I love that episode. Yeah. That's probably been my favorite. And and I'm not sure why. 
it wasn't that there was just a ton of blind information in it. It was, it was, it was very real about how you can, you know, when, when a business is a part of a community, it's something more than a business. Yeah. And that sounds so cliche and stupid to say, but, but that's really what it is. You're, you're getting free advertisement. You're becoming ingrained in the community. And, and when you're ingrained in the community, you're not just making money, making a profit, but you're part of something greater than yourself. And, and I loved it. The, the cool part about it is your business name just becomes automatic with the customers. If, if, yeah, if, it really if, does. if you, if somebody is identifying that somebody in the community needs your services and they're, they're in that community involvement need where they're needing kind of the charitable work, it's just automatic to go to your business. If you were coming into this episode and you don't know what Mitch means by uh, charity, listen to that episode and it'll make sense. Right. Because, because we're talking about um, not just community service and not just being part of the community, but we're talking about giving back to your community. And when you give back to your community, um, you're something greater than yourself and people see that. And it, it's very important. And yeah. you need to... Like I said, that was my favorite episode, and and you really need to go back and and, and listen to that. Yep, yep. Um, Episode number eight covers step number five, and that is wake up, do work, and repeat. And and (laughs) it seems silly that we would have to talk about it, but a lot of people— It's stupid. Yeah. It it seems stupid, Uh, but uh, you have got to do it. A lot of people get to that point where their business is kind of off the ground and running, and they think they can coast, and they really can't. Like That's the time to really crank it out and drive home to your community and also drive home to yourself that— we're in this for the long haul, and we're ready to... If you've been doing it for 15 years, okay, yeah. If you want to coast a couple days, you've yeah, earned it. Right. We're talking about year one. Right. Get off your ass. Right. Do it. So uh, episode uh, number nine is today's show, yeah. um, and that is going to cover the final beginning step, and that is evaluating your performance, making adjustments, and improving. Yeah. So on today's t- uh, show, we're going to talk about that final area of adversity that you'll need to overcome. And and this is an, an adversity where people struggle, right? They, they start a business and uh, it's not going in the direction that they want, but they don't even know where to begin on how to get it course corrected and back on target. They may not even know what target is. It's hard for people to take um, criticism. And when we say criticism, that doesn't mean... You know, when a lot of people hear criticism and they say they think uh, he's talking down on me. No, that's that's not what criticism is. No. And, and I shouldn't say that. Sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes t- someone is telling you you're a jackass. Yeah. But if you can't take those things and apply them uh, to your business or your current, you know what, life situation. This mm-hmm. isn't just a business thing. If you can't, if you can't apply those to how you're acting or how you're running a business, you might be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be tough. Like, uh, any, any sports team or any, anything that, that is measured in statistics, they're constantly reevaluating ways that they can improve their performance. Yeah. Uh, you take a football player, for example, and he's saying, well, if I start with a three-step drop, I can hit that passer at this point. Well, if I start with a five-step drop, well, now that receiver is, farther down the He's field more yards down Maybe and so the, the ball's going to be in flight a little bit longer you know that so 
criticism is not a bad thing. Criticism is the ability to stand on the outside for a second and look at how can I improve this. Yeah, he's your coach saying, hey, dude, when you do that, you're early. Yep. When you get to that fifth step, you need to take a hitch. So you need to stay when instead of instead of planting and throwing, maybe you need to plant and pivot your hips just a little bit to make that throw on time. Right. Or or the receiver maybe needs to take another half yard because the 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 quarterback can't um, he just can't do it based on the line progression. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and, and you have to. And when we say, you know, course correction, that's not just you. That's your employees as well. If you have employees. Say you're the quarterback. Yeah, if you have employees. Say you're the quarter. whether you're the quarterback and one of your guys is the receiver or you're both. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're both, you still need to be like, okay, that receiver needs to be a half yard. I need to be better with my employee or my customers. Right. You know, you have to be able to accept that evaluation from yourself and from other people if you want to get better. Well, and if you're self-employed and you're the only employee for the first few years, you're also your own coach. Yeah. You have to be able to identify some of that stuff for yourself. And so that's what this episode is dedicated to is giving you a few key areas to identify where your performance is and are do you need to improve or not? And listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna just a little tangent there. So I was on we've said it before, I was on my own. I had no employees, I had no manager, I had no nothing, and I was I'm winging it. But I asked other guys that were in my business, hey dude, what did you do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And was I asking for evaluation? No. But if they said, hey, I did this in that situation over here and I was doing this over here, I had to say, why was I doing this? Mm -hmm. Why was he doing that? Would it be better for me to maybe meet in the middle of those two things? That's what we mean by self-evaluation. Yeah. And getting better. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's swallowing your pride and just doing what it takes to improve. Yeah. you And sometimes... and listen, not sometimes, a lot of times you have to swallow that pride and say, oh man, I fucked up. Yeah. I've got to get better at this. Yep. And and if you can't do that, this may not be for you. Yeah. It's, it's the brutally honest truth. It is. So and you got to learn how to be your own coach. Yeah. And sometimes you will drive that ship into the ground by yep. yourself and it may be a hard lesson, lesson to learn. Yep. So, um, the, the final beginning step, evaluate performance, um, Make adjustments and improve. Let's let's look at some ways to recognize poor performance and some things that you can do to improve poor performance. There there are many ways that you will perform poorly in your first six months. More than you think. There there are a lot, right? Um, some are more dangerous than others, and so if your business is. Um, um, if, if your business is busy and you're running short on time, it's important that you know the areas that you can afford to let slide momentarily, but also you know the areas where you have to stay strong in. And those are judgment calls. And, and those they're are really judgment they're calls. They're judgment calls. We're going to cover them here. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the key word there, though, is, is letting them slide momentarily because you don't want to let them slide too long. 
Um, no, you want to stay on the train track. Yeah, everything that we've worked on to this point is important. However, there are really three key areas where you're going to want to be measuring your real performance. Um, any of these items that you, you have in place on your tracking spreadsheets are of great value. That's why you put them there. Um, so let's look at some areas uh, that you're likely to do poorly from time to time, and we'll put some things in place for how to correct them. Before we can understand poor performance, we need to understand how to tell the difference between poor performance and good performance. Um, this is where some of your goals come into play. Uh, goals are benchmarks for success. Goals are what determined um, if you have performed well or performed poorly. So once a goal is set, anything under that goal is considered poor performance. Anything above that goal is considered good performance, right? This isn't new. Um, it's, it's really that simple. But we need to remember that none of this is personal either. The millionaire mindset requires that you remove all of your emotion from your decisions. This is just understanding when to celebrate or when to work harder. You'll soon learn to embrace poor performance. The, the proper response for poor performance is you get an opportunity to improve yourself. So you're the only one that can fix your poor performance. And so whenever I recognize I'm performing poorly in an area, there's a humbling gut check moment initially. There's a moment where I, my emotions are rising up and I have to push them down. But ultimately, it's the same resolution every time. It's I get an opportunity to come out of this stronger. And you don't... <clears throat> What in layman's terms, don't dwell on the fact that you made a mistake. No, don't dwell on the fact that things aren't going well. <clears throat> this is kind of like the you're still at your job and you're wanting to leave, but you hate it. Yeah, it's the same thing. You hate the fact that you made the mistake, but take that as an opportunity to improve yourself, yeah, to improve your knowledge base, your wisdoms base, and say, Hey. Now I've learned something. I know that I can't do it that way. And I'm going to I'm going to put it behind me. I'm going to move on from that decision. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I've watched countless people try to blame poor performance on a bad customer, bad timing, bad weather, bad tools, bad equipment or or any other excuse they can come up with heard a lot of those man yeah meanwhile other technicians are breaking records running those same service calls dealing with those same customers at the same time in the same weather using the same tools they're working on the same equipment the only difference is the mindset of the individual and that's that millionaire mindset it is that's that's taking and like we've talked about before millionaire mindset is um taking hold of your situation taking mm -hmm. responsibility of your, your situation, okay? Because the only person that can change your situation is you. Yep. And that is the millionaire mindset that we've talked about a thousand times, and we're going to keep beating into you guys yeah. over and over again. People that blame outside factors for failure will always fail. They fail because they refuse to admit that the only part of the problem that they can control is themselves, and they refuse to correct that. People that recognize outside factors and create strategy to overcome them are usually the people that succeed. And, and Can I jump in there? When you're able to do that, when you're able to step outside of yourself, I know it's a double, mm -hmm. um, it's a huge 
benefit to you. When And people think that when I do this, I'm not being true to myself. No. Right. You're being extremely true to yourself and you're being honest with yourself and you and you've come to a breaking point where you can advance and improve mm-hmm. and it's a huge thing. You know a lot of us don't learn that until we're older. Yeah. And if you're but I'm not saying if you're 23 and you're listening to this, man, woman, whatever, you can't learn that now by right. having someone else I I don't want to say we're teaching people but guiding you in that direction, you can do it. Yeah. Take a step back, realize what's happening and say, what should I do? Yeah. And if you can continue to do that, you'll be successful whether you start a company, whether you work for someone, with, no matter what you do in in your family life, that, that's a family life moment too. Yep. You know, hey, I yelled at my kid today. Man, I shouldn't have. Right. I made a mistake. That translates into everything if you can do that. Yeah, and a poor parent would say, "Well, I wouldn't have had to yell at him if he didn't do this." Exactly. Right. So exactly. Maybe you know what? Maybe your child, um, maybe they did do something wrong, but maybe the best action for them to correct correct their behavior is you not yelling at them, and stand. And that's part of of your correction. I know that's yeah, really yeah. deep right there, but yeah. you know, removing your emotion from the situation, standing back and offering criticism to yourself before you criticize your child. Yeah, and right? then saying, Hey, I'm sorry. Right. Let's move on here. I, I want all of us to be better. Right. Right. Um, let's take a look at some realistic goals that you should have for your company and for your performance. And then we're also going to look at some BHAG goals, uh, B H A G Dave, Dave was Mitch, laughing. And, Mitch wrote this earlier yeah. and, I, and I didn't, I was like, do you mean B H A G? Do you mean BHAG? What, yeah. what are you fucking talking about? Dude? So, so, so uh, I'm uh, going to make him explain yeah. to you. Like I made him this, explain to me. This is how I operate, right? So a realistic goal is one that should happen if everything goes as planned. Um, a BHAG goal, BHAG, B-H-A-G, big hairy ass goal is, is one that takes. Marcus, are you, I thought you were producing this show. I don't know what the fuck I was supposed to do with BHAG. It's, we talked about this half an Who hour ago and it's still eating on that, me a little bit. Is, you know, that I just, hey. that's Mitch, dude. That's all Mitch. BHAG. Oh, I'll say this. I have achieved quite a few BHAG goals in our first 18 months of business. So, you know, uh, sometimes you got to have fun. And when there, Mitch puts some really crazy, stupid shit in here. Sometimes I get it out. Sometimes it stays in. I, I and other said, times we let him roll with what he wants to roll with. I said, I, I like it. I, th- I think it's funny. I said all that, and all you heard was hairy ass. Yes, is it all yeah, I heard? Yeah. And I had nightmares when I was nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's another story for another day. A BHAG goal is a goal that takes significant effort and preparation to achieve. So when I invested $30,000 into our company to get things started, I set a realistic goal to get everything paid off within five or six months. I also set a BHAG goal to get everything paid off in three months. I had run the numbers, and if everything went as planned, we should have had enough to completely repay the business debt to myself in five to six months. I also figured that if we had enough calls... And if I had enough energy to run them, and if I performed well on those calls, then we had the possibility of paying off our startup costs in three months. So this became my first BHAG goal. So when you're setting goals, (laughs) 
when you, when you're setting goals, make sure to set two. Look at the realistic goal, like what should happen, but then also look at the the BHAG goal or whatever you want to call it of of something that is is significant. And if all things line up, we could end up here. Now, and listen, I I want to say something. So I didn't have, you know, when I started my business, I didn't have something like the I I didn't call it something but it was ingrained in me. Yeah. Like, you know, I had my minimum goal. I actually had three. So I had I had my minimum goal, my um what I thought the average goal should be, mm-hmm. and then I had, oh shit, we've made this money. Now and I had a plan for each. You know, if, if I underperformed, and this is one of those this really is in the episode of you know, what do I do? What do I evaluate? You know, how do I get better if I got to there? My average was obviously my plan, but then I had a plan for, you know, if I went above and beyond that, what was I going to do with that money? Right. You know, was I going to invest it back in the company? Was I going to take trips with my wife? The answer was not trips with my wife. It was invested back into the company. Right. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with having plans and contingencies for every situation. And, you know, a lot of people get into the um, analysis by paralysis. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm taking on... Uh, said that backwards. Paralysis by analysis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mitch knew what I was saying. Yep. Um, that's not really... I mean, that's a thing in sports, but that's not a thing in business, it's, I don't think. No, it's a thing in business, and that's probably one of the key factors of why we started this show is because people will analyze things till they're blue in the face and never start their business. and so Or not enough. Right. Or not enough. They're right. probably an extreme of either. And and I just had three. You know, Mitch had two here. I just had three. Mm-hmm. I had below what I thought and then the dream scenario. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You and, can you can break down um, where you think you should be in each one of those categories. And ultimately, I have three, too. We just have two different ways to look at it. My I had two, right? I had my, yeah. my standard goal and then my BHAG goal. My, my third option, my... my you, you said below yeah, where my, you thought oh, and you're big, right? So anything under my standard goal was my below. And we talk about that later in this yep. episode. Yep. We, you know, we talk about, hey, um, we're not getting enough calls. Hey, we're not making enough sales. And, and, and that's kind of why I brought that up there. We're right. going to get into that and give you um, knowledge to help you make the right decisions in those scenarios. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, before we get into those, I want to talk real quick about goals. There's a lot of people who set goals, which are really dreams. And they're really like lofty aspirations, but they have no bearing and no context and no realistic plan to get there, right? You'll see people like, oh, I want to go to Tahiti one day. And they're making $12 an hour flipping burgers at McDonald's, and they ain't changing anything to make it to Tahiti. You know what? And, and that's a great example. So say say they are working there, but say that person is setting aside five bucks a day. Totally different. They have a plan. Right. And that's what Mitch means. Right. If you are going to do that, and this gets back to the planning and preparation, no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're working at McDonald's making 15 bucks an hour, whether you're a CEO at a company making 130, you have to have a plan Mm -hmm. and be prepared no matter what. Right. And that gets back to the mindset and the self-evaluation, where am I at? I need to step back and look, where am I? What can I do? Yeah. So like 
what what I'm really driving home is my goals were based off of realistic scenarios. They weren't pipe dreams. They were okay, I can physically run this many service calls a day. I know I can run an average sale of this. I know I can close and, and convert those calls at this percentage. And so I could build realistic numbers. The one things, the couple of things that I can't control directly is I can't guarantee you how many times the phone's going to ring today, right? So I kind of had my, my base goal of how many times I thought it would ring. But then if things get really busy, well, then we might be able to stretch up to this goal here. And so g- goals are realistic expectations. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of aggressive goals is okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of people shoot themselves in the foot because they've set a goal out there that's unrealistic or unattainable. And then when you constantly do that, you've set a pattern of never achieving your goals. And that can make you, that, that can actually make you depressed. It can make, it can make you like physically ill. Yeah. So, g- that that's why I like the goal that should have the realistic goal that should happen. I don't want to say automatically, but like when you put in the work and do everything else, like here's the one that should happen. That sets a pattern of I achieved that goal, even though this is a base standard of you know benchmark performance. You're still in a habit of okay, I achieved that goal. Now let's work to the next. I, and that's I achieved mindset. that one, and, and that's mindset. Right. You're you're trying to and listen. If if you've been working construction for ten years, you haven't thought about all those things. You need to think about those things. Yeah, that's how successful people think. Yeah. Okay. And and it, when I say think, I don't mean their brain power is just making that happen. No, they've learned those things. Yeah. And you have to make yourself think that way. Yeah. To get to those goals. Yeah. So the number the number one most important goal is your monthly revenue goal. Um, revenue is required for the business to function. So your revenue goal should be built from the metrics that you've set for yourself. And we talk about those in previous, previous episodes. So I'll walk with you, uh, through how I set my revenue goal. So you can do the same. My business was an in-home service business, but these numbers should play fairly well through any of these. So um, we're using some generic numbers here just to keep things really simple. These aren't the numbers I used for my business. Uh, full transparency, the numbers I used were much higher than these, but these numbers are base round numbers that are easy to work with. So um, we, we've talked about before your billable hour is, is a number that you want to be charging per hour, right? So uh, my, let's just say if your billable hour is $100 an hour, then your, your average sale should be two times your billable hour. So your average sale should be $200 an hour. If you plan to run four service calls a day, again, in-home service business related, if you plan to run four service calls a day and you plan to work five days a week, then you should be running 20 service calls a week. Okay, Your conversion rate in an in-home service business industry should be 80%. So that's the number of sales you make versus the number of calls you run. So if we're running 20 calls a week at an 80% conversion rate, that comes out to making a sale on 16 of those calls. You take those 16 sold calls and multiply it by your $200 average sale and that brings that develops your revenue goal of $3,200 per week or 
$640 per business day. That's a lot of numbers, so if you need to go back and hit rewind a couple of times and listen to that, feel free. I have a question. Yep. So those numbers were based on you <clears throat> working by yourself. Mm-hmm. Those those were Mitch's numbers when he started. Mm-hmm. Or no? They Well, the, av- the billable hour was greatly different, but I'm just going to use that as a, a benchmark. As a percentage yeah. of what that is. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, also... I was starting out with a company of one. And so like myself, I was the one running all those plumbing calls. And so I knew I could run four calls a day for an an average of four calls a day, five days a week. Some days I might run six calls. Some days I might run one. Can I ask you what your actual billable hour was? Uh, I'd rather not disclose that because that's kind of a market-based thing. And that all kind of depends on each individual business. Okay. But so, so for instance, I like to pry numbers from Mitch just yeah. for fun it, because he doesn't, he does a lot of prep work and then doesn't put a lot of things in, yeah. but it, it brings me joy to see a little pain to in try to face. put me on the spot. Yeah. I like, yeah. I like putting him on the spot. Just, you know, it, there, it, that's part of the show, you know, a little bit of fun in there. Let's just say that I don't get paid for this. So I have to bring my, get my joy somewhere. somewhere. And, that, and that's where I get it. Right. Plumbing service companies <laughs> that are using flat rate pricing are typically going to be anywhere from two to $700 per billable hour. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of what drives that is your market. Yeah. Now, so and when he says market, he means, so we're, we're at 200. If you're in California, 500. 700. That's yeah. what he means by market. You could be in Beverly Hills and be 700. Yeah. That's you, what he means. You could be in the Midwest and be 200. You yeah. could be on the on the coastline somewhere and be 500. It, it just kind of depends. Yeah, and it, and when he says, you know, by us it's, you know, 150 to 200, he doesn't mean, "Hey, come here cuz it's cheaper. Stay on the East Coast if that's where you're at." Well, we don't want you here. Cost of living is a lot of what drives that billable hour, <laughs> of right? Course. So if yeah. cost of living is insanely high where you're at, then you're probably going to have a higher billable yeah. hour. So, yeah. And that's just, that's economics 101. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, remember that I lump Saturdays in with Fridays and I lump Sundays in with Mondays. And so if you're working on a seven-day week, um, anything you run on Saturday is kind of like a bonus for Friday. Yeah. And anything you run on Sunday is kind of like a bonus for Monday. So, but that that keeps your weekly um, averages true. Yeah, is, and is how that works, and it gets you to back to a five day work week. Yeah. So, and, and, um, and let's, and when he says that, when you do your math and everything, you want to do it on a five day work week. Okay, most of your guys are going to be on a five day work week. Right, you're going to try to be on a five day work week, even though you're on your own. You may be Saturdays. Yeah. So it's it's easier to translate numbers to a five day work week because like your vendors are on five. It, it, yeah, the math just works out. Well, and ultimately too, like as you grow your business, let's say you start working seven days a week, you're gonna have a guy that works Sunday through Thursday. Yeah, and you're gonna have a guy that works Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah. Ultimately, they're each working five days. Yes. So that's why you want you, you want to stay on that five day average. That also means that you're slightly short staffed on Monday. Because you've got a guy working Tuesday through Saturday. Exactly. And that means you're slightly short-staffed on Friday. Friday. Because you've got a guy working about that for a yeah, Sunday Friday. through Thursday. Yeah, Friday. So, so that's where you kind of blend those in. And you know what? That's um, Don't think that you're against the grain. No. You know, because no. that's what a lot of a lot of companies do. Yeah. And, and that helps you. You know, everyone thinks, oh, I'm a short-staff on Monday. Oh, I'm short-staff on Friday. Yeah, but you're... 
that means you have someone there to help you, people. You got on coverage Saturday, on the weekends, right. And that means you have someone to help people on Sundays. Yeah. When you hope that um, y- the phone's not ringing off the hook on those days. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have your outliers of cold. If you're a plumber, cold snap on a Saturday. Yeah. Or heating, cooling guy, cold snap on a Saturday, I guess, more realistic. Right, right, but, right. You know, something like that. So. So those numbers that we just gave you, those are those are some baseline numbers. But you can fill in your own billable hour, uh, and then and once you know your billable hour, then you can fill in your own average sale numbers. Um, just remember that one number you can't really play with too much is your conversion. Um, if you're doing an in-home service-based business, your conversion needs to be at about eighty percent. Yeah, it does. And if you, you're if you're five percent one way or the other, I mean. Nobody's going to frown on you at 75. It's okay, but you need to, your goal, your arrow, your dart needs to be pointed at that 80%. Yep. So, and you're going to fluctuate. You're going to, I've, I've never landed a month exactly on eight. Yeah. If some days I'm a little less, some, some months I'm a little more. So that's your goal. Yep. When we say that. Yep. So, um, remember that some months have 20 working days in them and some months have as many as 23. You're going to have three or four months a year that have 23 working days in them. Um, you're going to have a couple of months a year that have 20. So it just kind of depends. So as you're building your budgets, you need to build it off the number of working days in the month. You can't just blindly set a budget of $30,000 a month in revenue for every month <laughs> yeah. because <laughs> 30,000 a month is hard to hit on a 20-day month where it's easy to hit on a 23-day month because you have more days in the month, right? So um, now that we have our revenue goal set, let's look at some things that we can do if revenue is falling short. So we need need to identify where that problem lies. Again, the key goal is revenue. So um, we need to look at some things that may cause revenue to drop. Uh, we know the math that just went into them, right? Number of opportunities, number of calls yes. ran, uh, yes. average sale. So are we selling enough calls to hit the goal? Are we running enough calls to yeah, sell are, enough calls? Are you getting enough calls? Are we hitting our average sale goals? Um, you can usually find that if you're falling short on revenue, it might be a combination of two or three of those. Um, the most important one of those is the number of calls you've run. You will likely never hit this goal unless you're running enough calls. So um, if you're running enough calls, then you need to make sure that you're converting those calls at a sale or a conversion rate of 80%. And then finally, if you're converting those calls at 80%, you need to make sure that you're hitting your goal of an average sale of, of two and a half times your, your or two times your billable hour. Yeah. Um, or or whatever you've set your average sale goal. If it's one point eight, if it's two point two, you know what whatever it is. Again, you're going to be a little fluid with those. And, so and, and we use the two x as for our style of business. You know what we do. Two right. x works. Right. Two x works along. You know from two x works from fifteen percent to ninety percent. Yeah. That that really fills the gap. And. And so the nice part about just focusing on these three areas is it allows you to fall short on one or even two of the areas and still achieve your overall goal. So for instance, if your conversion is running a little behind, maybe you're converting at 70% or 65%, you can make up for that by having a higher average ticket or just running more service calls. Um, The same idea works if you're falling short on any of the other areas. Just drive the remaining two areas up. So uh, I've managed uh, people in the past 
who consistently fell short on one or more areas, but they made up for it in the other areas, and so they always managed to hit their goal. Um, I've always been the type of person who plays to another person's strengths. So I would praise them for hitting the overall goal and praise them for dominating the target area that they, they dominated in, and I wouldn't really mention much about the other. So if I have a guy that's converting just a little bit low, but he's killing it on his average sale, and he's killing it on the number of calls he ran, I'm not going to harp on him. It's it's no different than my kid's grade cards, right? Yeah. If my kid gets all A's and a B, a lot of parents will be like, oh, what are you going to do to get that B to an A? Mm. Hey, dude, I'm the other way. Nice I'm like, job, dude, buddy. you got like six A's. That's friggin' awesome, right? And, yeah, and and Mitch is saying, you know, when it comes to employees, but he he's also saying if you're on your own. If you're on your own, it's how you manage yourself. Yeah, it's how you manage yourself, and you're getting to, you know, this is the um, evaluate your performance. Mm-hmm. If you're on your own, evaluate performance, but don't kick yourself in the ass. No. If you got two A's and a C, yeah. You know, say, hey man, I'm doing, I'm doing these two things really well. Where can I improve on this C? And and if you can't, and and it's not a strong suit, it's okay. Right. If you can't you know, improve don't on this, yourself over it. Right. If you can't improve on the C, then just double down on one of the A's, and you'll yeah. usually be okay. Yeah. So. Um, one of the biggest fears that no people have, perfect. yeah, you know, yeah. One of the biggest fears that people have when they're starting their company is making sure they're going to get enough work, right? So if you're a home service based business, that's usually going to be a phone ringing enough or, or enough leads coming in, enough opportunities coming in, yeah, enough walk-ins. If you, yeah. If you're a haircutter. You so, know? so let's look at what to do if we aren't getting enough calls. Um, obviously things may start a little slow if you're new, like brand new first few months into business, but you should still be able to scrape up enough calls to meet your budget in your first month. Most people who fail at their business will fail right here. They, they just arrived to this point and then they just hoped the phone would ring. Ultimately, businesses don't run on hope. They run on preparation and proper planning. If you, if you would, you, you, you'd want to brainstorm this area deeply before you open your business. You want to generate as many possible ideas as you can to come up with how to make the phone ring. You want to write every single one of them down and you want to rank them as, as most important and most likely to produce the most amount of calls. And so, yeah. So advertise advertisement i think if i advertise i'm going to get x amount of calls if i do door hangers i'm going to get x amount of calls if i do word of mouth and just tell all my friends i'm going to get x amount of calls right you need to have a plan when you start so that you don't want to start and then be like you know you don't want to put it out in the paper and be like oh no one's calling me right i hope the phone rings and then that was all i had that's not right? going to work it right. doesn't you know it doesn't work you need to do those things it's say you Say before you start your company, you make a list of 10 things. Pick four of those and do them before you start. Yeah, you know, or, or the day you start. Yeah, or right. the day you start. Yeah, and then so, so you've done those things day one, and then day five comes around, those things those things start paying off. Right, right. You want to be ready to be committed all day long, especially if you're running short on service calls. My goal was to run 15 service calls per week. Um, if I was short of that, or I was short of that goal in the first weeks of business, this didn't mean I just went home and waited for the phone to ring. 
It meant that I went to my list of things I would do to generate calls and I started knocking out items on that list. I, I canvassed neighborhoods and hung door hangers. I handed out business cards to local business owners. Uh, one of the things that I did was I went to all the local businesses in my city and I asked for donations of gift cards to their business. Could be restaurants, barbershops, tanning salons, like you name it. Any business in the neighborhood, I asked them to donate me a gift card to their business. And then I compiled all of those gift cards into a gift basket and I raffled it off on one of our local community social media pages. And I didn't raffle it off for money. I just said, hey, everybody who goes to our Facebook page and likes our Facebook page gets entered into a drawing to, to get this gift basket of local gift and that's, cards. That's advertisement. Right. It's, it's right. free advertisement. And it, it cost me nothing but time. And when you're early in business, say, you've got some time. It, it didn't cost you anything except for your time. Right, All, right. You just had to, you had to dedicate yourself. I'm going to do this. We're going to do it. This is what we're, and, and, and as, get it done. And as we've said before, successful people want to see other people successful. So when uh, other businesses in town hear of you starting your business, they're more than willing and to help. And, and they're getting a little bit of advertising too because yeah. you're giving them a gift card. And if, and if you give away a $20 gift card, this is another business one-on-one thing. Mm-hmm. People are going to come in and spend $24. Yeah. Now, listen, $4 doesn't sound like a lot, but if, if you get $4 and then... And earn a customer. And earn a customer, it was worth right. the $20 that you donated. Yeah. So I spent every waking minute of my day putting action to my previously written ideas. I had more ideas that I never even needed to use. So you'll want to do the same. You'll want to have such a big bank of ideas that you shouldn't have to go down that whole list. You'll want to create a bottomless barrel of ideas that you can use to generate work. And you should keep on that. You just said that, but you should keep on that no matter what. Yeah. If, if you're in your office and you have a whiteboard up that says, you know, business ideas, if your employees come in and write on it, hey, yeah. dude, I thought of this. Right. And, and and, and, you know, add it to the list. Constantly using it. Just be constantly improving. And that is, I've said this three times, I think, this episode. That's the point of this episode. Yeah. You're constantly evaluating and improving your work performance. Yep. Generating work is the most important thing that you'll do in your first weeks and first months of business. So get used to being a hunter of work and get creative with different techniques. The, the next area that we'll talk about is, are you converting enough calls? So let's say the phone's ringing enough, but maybe you're not converting enough calls. Not so, making enough sales is what he's saying in layman's terms. Yeah. So let's say you're in the in-home services business again. And um, one, one surefire way to help make sure that you're able to achieve that 80% conversion is to charge a service charge just to come out to somebody's home. Um, service charges vet the customer and earn a minimum level of, uh, level of a commitment with that customer before you even arrive. I see people fail at their newly founded companies all the time because they offer free estimates for service type work. When this happens, the customer has no reason to value your visit or move forward with your suggestions. They aren't out anything if they just tell you, I'll think it over or I'll get back to you. So if that same customer has paid a service charge of 59 or 69 or $89 or whatever the case may be for you to show up to their home, then the odds of them deciding to proceed with your recommendations increase by a power of four. 
and I've done the math. I've I've worked where we didn't charge service charges and we changed nothing else and our conversion was 20%. And then all we did was start charging service charges and our conversion goes to 80%. Service charges do a really good job in the in-home services industry of vetting your customers. We have numerous customers every day that call us only to get turned off by the fact that we charge a service charge and they decided not to book a service call with us. We are perfectly okay with that. That was most likely a customer that would have wanted to think it over or, or get a second opinion and they would have been most likely on a completely different planet as far as what they thought the work was worth. So never offer free service calls for any job that requires a diagnostic level of service work. And now I'm going to say when I started out, there was always a service charge. Now, I never charged for a... I always gave free consultations, but that was in... That was only if they knew what they wanted. Yeah, so... You know what I mean? If it was a sales call, like, okay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. say someone called and said, I want a new heating and cooling system. Yep. That was a free that was a free call. Yeah. Okay. But but I didn't when I got there, I wasn't on my hands and knees diagnosing a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and, and, and for and for me, that worked. Yeah. And, it and always worked. Same for us too. So the key there is diagnostic work yes. versus estimates for larger projects. Yeah, and so and I could feel a question coming. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So like if a customer calls us and says our water heater's not working. That's a service charge call. Yeah. Now, if they call us up and say, hey, our water heater's working fine, but it's really old and I'm getting some estimates on getting a new one. Yeah. Well, we That's mo- a sales call. We might do a free estimate for that one. Yeah. So. And, and mine was, you know, mine was heating, cooling. So it was usually, hey, I had someone come out and my compressor's dead. Yeah. And they think I should get a new unit. Um. I went out there and didn't charge them anything. Now, does that mean I didn't home out that compressor and see if that was actually what was happening? Right, right, right. No, I did my due diligence, mm-hmm. but um, but I gave them that free of charge. And, you know, there's just kind of a little... There's, there's a no balance. rhyme or reason sometimes, you know, which way you want to go. Yep. But But usually if it was a... And I hate to say this. When you pay for uh, sales lead generators and stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're paying for that. I, I was paying for those sales leads by checking that out on the side. Yeah. Say, hey, you know, and, and now listen, if I checked that compressor and I thought, and this is ha- this happened to me a few times, more than a few times, they were just trying to sell them something. Yeah. And and I did my due diligence and I checked it and I didn't charge them for it, but I said, hey, your cap's out capacitor sorry yep your capacitor's out and that guy i i don't know if he just didn't check it in my brain i wanted to say he's a fucking retard right but um you know i got a customer for life right so so there's there's a lot of times so we'll often lead with a service charge no matter what the call is um and and we found roll it back well so some customers would say well i was hoping to get like a free estimate since i'm wanting to replace my water heater or whatever the case may be. 
Well, then we will very quickly back off and we might say, okay, yeah, we can, we can totally do a free estimate for that. You know, I thought your water heater like wasn't working and they say, no, it's working fine. I just, I just want an estimate. Yeah, and okay. it, But then you don't have to dive into it either. It gives us an indication as to the level of commitment from the customer as right. well. Right. So, right. um, uh, so if the customer pushes back and mentions how they were expecting a free estimate, we know that now we have to bring our A game. So we actually note the service call a little bit different and say, okay, this is actually more of a sales call. So we want to make sure we approach this more of a sales and side that, of things instead and not a diagnostic side of things. And that tells you that your customer's not an idiot. Yeah. They're smart and they know what they want. Yeah. And they're trying to get, <clears throat> they're, they're not trying to play you. No, no, no. You know, but they. The service charge gives you an opportunity to learn a lot about them. Yes. Is, is yes. what it is. And so. It's, it, and this is a complicated, it's not complicated, but as far as a sales situation, it's a little complicated. But, you know, as you go through, those are things that you're, you want to have happen to you if mm-hmm. you're, because it, it teaches you what to do yeah. in those situations. Yep. Um, one of the other areas uh, where you could be falling short on your metrics is your average sale. And so we, as we mentioned earlier, in-home service businesses um, your average sale should be two times your billable hour. Uh, the the goal, uh, this, this goal is key to you hitting your monthly goals. And so a low average ticket means you're spending a lot of resources for very little reward. The science behind your average ticket goal is based off of what it's worth for you to drive out to a customer's home and spend a portion of your precious day you're not doing this out of the goodness of your heart and so you need to be rewarded for that. Um, I have found two very easy ways to maintain an average ticket that meets your goals. One is to make sure you're offering the customer several options for repair, and you need to offer this to every single customer. The other is to always offer a high price, high value option to every single customer. So we might have several options, but then every customer, we also offer them some wild over the top option. And and people like that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they want to spend that money sometimes. Some, hey, dude, look at the, and he's offering. Sometimes they do. It makes them super, they're not only super happy about it, but, you know, it's what they wanted. Right. They didn't know they wanted. And and these aren't unethical options either. These are like, okay, you called me for a dripping faucet, but I can completely replace this faucet and the one next to it for this. Right. And, and you, you never know that customer may have been like just itching. Like I've, I've hated these faucets ever since I lived here. Or they had one in their, I'm not a plumber. They had the one replaced in their half bath, which is off of their kitchen. And they had it replaced black and it drives them freaking crazy that none that of the, the other ones are the same. That color. the one in the kitchen isn't black because they're right side by side. Right, right. You know, and and they don't even know they want it. And then you tell them that, and they're like, "Oh yeah, oh they want now it. Now it'll match." It. Right. You know, and you know because they're just worried about getting it fixed. And then the next thing you know, you've made a great sale, and given the customer what they want, and everybody's happy. Right. Right. Great things happen when you offer several options to your customers. Um, One of those great things is that the customer gets to maintain control of the service call and the buying decision. And they love not feeling pressured in the decision. 
one of the one of the interesting things about customers is they hate being sold, but they love to buy. And let's not and pretend just for two seconds that we're not all customers. Right. We're, you know, when you listen to this or you're a salesman, you forget to think about I'm also a customer. Mm-hmm. I buy things. I have people come to my house and fix shit. Yeah, and you hate being sold. Yeah, and you hate freaking being sold. So be a regular person. Yep. You know, take ownership of. Uh, I, I don't know the right word there, but don't. Um, man, I'm lost all of a sudden. <laughs> that ultimately, as a customer. You don't like it when you have all this crazy sales pressure. You don't like a slick salesman coming That's in. That's where I was going with that. But you love being in control. This is why Amazon is so successful is because people can buy things at their leisure and by their own choice. Yes. And so what you can learn from that is create an environment where you're giving them multiple options yes. and letting them pick what works best for them. Thank you, Mitch, so, for the bailout. I yeah. appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Lost my train of thought there for a second. Offering options to customers usually results in the customers increasing your average sale for you. You don't even have to try. So when you're putting together your options for your customer, make sure to include a handsome top option, one that, will include, one that includes lots of work and an excellent warranty. And you'd be amazed how many customers will select that top option. That warranty, that long warranty, usually huge. sells something. Yeah. Customers, customers who you would have thought would be stubborn or cheap are usually the ones that buy that crazy top option because they don't want to be inconvenienced by this problem ever again. And it's not that they don't want to be inconvenienced. If it does break down, they're usually okay with it as long as they don't have to write a check to get it fixed right. or replaced. Right. That's where that warranty yes. comes in. Yes. So. Um, we, we typically try to offer every customer three options and, and the price and the, the amount of work and the warranty changes with all three of those. Um, but this is a great way to find out where your customer's at in the scenario. The goal when we offer a customer three options is to make a sale. We don't care which option they pick. We're happy if they pick any of the options They're out there. They're all a sale. Right, right. So the other benefit of offering three options is it allows you to get two no's from a customer while still getting a yes. So they can say no to your top option and your middle option, and you still have room to get a yes from them for your bottom option. Or they can be like, no, 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 no. You see that Mercedes in the garage? I don't do anything <laughs> cheap. Give me the top option. Yeah. And, and you know what? A lot of, I shouldn't say a lot, 25% of customers are like that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they'll surprise you, too. It's, and it, it's virtually impossible to pick which ones are going to go where. Oh, man, it's insane. I've been to people that people's homes where I thought, and I'm not going to say poor, but when you know I go to the house, I think they're thrifty. Right. You know, they, I know they're going to want to not spend a lot of money, and I give them a bunch of really basic options. And I've had them say to me, is that all you got? Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh. Do you want to go high efficiency? Yeah. Then it makes you look like a complete asshat. Yeah. Then then and you're prejudging okay. them. And yeah. And it's not you are prejudging them. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yep. And that's one of those things. And that's that's really the point of this episode is if you do prejudge them, you should step back and say, "Hey, you're I can't do that again. From now on, I have to do A, B, and C, not." A, A, B, B, C, you know, yeah. real small down here at this end. I've got to give it, I've got to give them all to the, everybody equally. The thing that you have to remember is customers don't want to be sold, but they love to buy. And so you got to create an environment where they have the option to buy at whatever level they're interested in. And if you do that, 
your your conversion is going to be great and your average ticket's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um one of the other things to help ensure that you're getting a good 80% conversion is talk about your story, right? So we're 9 episodes into this and and if you've done all of the other things, especially especially Episode seven, where we start talking about community involvement work. My favorite episode. My favorite too. You're going to learn that this all molds the story of why and how your business started. People love stories. Especially when you're small. Yeah. People love working with a small company. And and people love working with a company that they feel is actually making a difference. Especially here in the Midwest where America is still America. Right, and what, people like to help each other out. Even on the coast, I mean, you can go out to to some of the to, to the coast, and you're going to see people still want to deal with small companies that feel like they're making a bigger impact and a bigger difference. You you work with some large national franchise company, and you just get the feeling like you're helping the CEO buy a second lake house. Yeah, you work with a small company, and you get the feeling like you're helping put that guy's kids through college, and maybe you're helping him sponsor a little league baseball team. And, yeah. and, and, and so on. So and pe- when he, and people when you, want that. And when you think of a small company, even if they have 30 employees, guess what? That's still a small company. Yeah, yeah, and still those small. Guys, and, and every decision and every sale and everything that goes into that company is a big deal. Yeah, When yeah. you're that, and I say small, you're not a one-man show, but under 30, you're small. Yeah, yeah. Make sure that you are giving your customers a reason to feel connected. Make sure to tell them the story of your company. Um, It should be a story of how the company came to be and what the company does within the community and how your company is unlike any other. Um, Your customers will never know how much they love you unless they know why they should. So your story should make them fall in love with your company. You're going to tell this story countless times, and you'll find yourself telling it the exact same way. You'll watch your customers have the same great reactions every time. You'll get to the point where you're adding employees, and now they'll need to know the story just as well as you do if you expect them to have the same success. The same story connects with your customers to your company and and will also connect your employees to your company. So that your employees need to know the story with the same level of detail and passion that you do. They need to be able to tell the story to customers as well as you do. You're writing your story right now. And as you listen to this show and put your plan together, make sure your story is one worth telling. Last thing we're going to talk about, and this is your gut check moment. What are we talking about, Mitch? Do you have what it takes? Where are we at? Okay, I got you. So we've just spent nine episodes. Most likely it's taken you several days to listen to this. This is well over nine hours of content, reading and learning and and listening to everything that it takes to start a durable in-home service business or or service business of any kind. And you know what? We're on nine. I'm on five at home. Right. Right. You know, it, it's going to take you a while to read through all these I've been, or listen through all these. I've been listening to them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they get stronger, you know, as we go along. So yep. don't, don't get discouraged. Nope. Keep listening. And it, if there are, uh, 
if there are things you are not sure about, like hey, in episode three, I, you know, it's only an hour. Right. Listen, listen to, to it, it again. again. Yeah. They ain't heard it. Listen to it again. Yep. And and suck that information out of there. And and Mitch and I aren't you know professional podcasters, and I know that you know in a couple episodes, um, you know certain things were. Some things were glossed over. Some things were run over too much. Just go back and listen again. Yep. It, it you know and, and take those notes on on things. These first nine episodes are extremely important if you're serious about uh, making it on your own. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it more involved than you thought it might be? Hell yeah, yeah it probably. Is. Right. Hell yeah. If, it if is. this were easy, everyone would do it. It sounds cliche, so but it's cliche. cliche for a reason. Yeah. So. Um, it's it, if you're soft, you ain't gonna, you're not gonna do it. Right, you, it's just how it is. You're always gonna hear these whimsical stories of a guy who started his company with no prep and somehow he became successful. Yeah, that's just one guy, right? Yeah, you're gonna find these. The, the worst is the guy who gets mad at his boss one day and he says, "Screw this, I quit and I can do this better on my own," and he has no prep. Those guys usually, if you ninety nine percent of the time, don't make it. Now listen, if you're one of those guys and you're feeling that, take a deep breath. Tough it out. Tough it out. Put some prep in. Get prepped in. And then once you're prepped and you're really ready to go, then go in there and give them the big finger. Yeah. You know? But have your prep done first. Right. And right. It's, and listen, while you're doing that prep, we've we've talked about it two or three times, suck up as much information as you can. Yeah. Okay? Just, just keep that information coming in. Keep your prep going. Keep your eyes on the prize. I know it's so stupid to say that, but it's very important. And then when you want to go in there and give that guy the finger because he is a real boss hole, right. you'll be prepared to do that. I think that Marcus is thinking about doing it to Mitch. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but... Can't be reading my mind like you that. Know, yeah. I just, I, you know, I look in his eyes sometimes, and he's like, you know... He's still in... Motherfucker, you know? He's, he's in learning mode. I'm not... I'm not so sure, you know, and we joke about it, but seriously, you have got to do the prep. Right. You have got to be ready. Don't walk away before you're ready. And it sucks and it's gut wrenching. And it, you go home and you just hate everything about your day. If you're going to move on and do it on your own, not just go to another job, you got to stomach it for a short time. And right. you, you can do it, man. You just, you got to have the fortitude to, to just to get through. Right, I mean, right. You know, takes discipline. But if your business is to be successful, you're going to need that discipline. Yeah, learn those lessons. Yeah, Bu mm. business ownership isn't easy. It's a lot of work, and in the early years, it doesn't shut off. Now, it does get a lot better later, and especially the more prepared you are. The more prepared you are, the faster in in the years does it get better. So. Are you ready to be consumed? Are you ready to embark on a journey that you'll never forget? Are you ready to get addicted to success and hitting your goals? If that's the case, let's giddy up. Let's make this thing happen. And listen, I'm going to, and I've had a, a, a few self-realization moments doing this podcast. Was my company as successful as Mitch's when I started out. Fuck no. It wasn't. Right. Okay. And right. It, you know, if I had done some more prep and some of the things that we've talked about, could it have been? Yeah, maybe. 
Okay, and we're not saying that you're going to be as successful as Mitch's company. We're not going to say. Let's you're hope not you're more successful than mine. I hope to God they are. Right. But I'm not. <clears throat> I'm a realist. Yep. I think that everyone is going to be more successful than I was, and I was pretty successful. Mm-hmm. But if you do these things, you will be. Don't. Don't think that you're going to be not successful. Don't think that you're going to make a million dollars the first week. Just th- or the first year or the first two years. Just keep thinking that if I do these things and I do these steps, I will be successful no matter what. It, and take hold of that and just keep moving forward. Right. Okay, don't when you jump in, don't think I'm going to be Mitch I'm going to be Dave. I'm going to be John over here at this. I'm going to be Steve. No. Fuck all of them. Right. Take this information and say, I'm going to be me. Yep. And I'm going to take this information and I'm going to freaking move on with it. And I'm going to take my vision and my dream and I'm going to be successful at it. Yep. This this is a process. That is the point of this entire podcast yeah this is you have to take control change your mindset and do something i don't want to say spiritual do something successful mm-hmm. with it yeah yeah you gotta you gotta i feel like i'm pulping up here yeah. i mean i am on the pulpit and i'm preaching but that's not what i mean yeah yeah you gotta get yourself to be in an empowered position to take control of this because if you're not in control of it you're not going to be successful yeah so um, guys, as, as promised here at the end of episode nine, we are ready to finally give you guys the email address where you can email in questions. Oh, my favorite part. I've been waiting for this for nine freaking yeah, episodes. It's, it's, it's getting to the fun part. So, um, my brain. we, we do yeah. ask that you hold off on emailing in questions until you have at least listened to all of the first nine episodes. Um, because what will undoubtedly happen is as you listen to episodes one through six, you're going to generate questions that we're probably going to answer in episodes seven, eight, or nine. You know, maybe so, not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But, but, but do yourself the favor to listen yeah. to those first nine and then email in that question. So And, and, and listen, don't think, if, if you have listened through one through nine and you think your question's stupid, it's not stupid. Right. Okay. We are not going to judge you. Send your freaking question in. Yeah. If and we're going to hash it. We've had. So Mitch posted on our Facebook. We had one question. Yep. And to be honest, I was super excited about just, it. Just a day or two ago, I posted on our Facebook group. And at the time I had posted this on our Facebook group, we had only released episodes one through six. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Um, but we were trying to just get a feeler out for what questions can be. And, and we've had one question so far and it was an amazing question. Great question. And we're going to, and we've sent some, um, emails back to him. We want a a few questions and we're going to answer it on the air. Yep. I say on the air. We're not Uh, live. We're going to answer it. So if you send questions to us, we're going to answer them. Yeah. Okay. We want, we've said it 15 times. I want people to be successful. Yep. We aren't making any money off this. Nope. I want Marcus, our producer, to be successful. Yep. I've only known him for like a month. Right. I want Mitch to be successful. We've been friends for 40 years. I want everyone that listens to this to be successful. So send those freaking questions in, and we're going to answer them. Yeah. Yeah. And and we may answer them in email. If they're a really good question, then we're going to make a show about it. 
Yeah. Um, so, so from this point forward, the show uh, evolves into bringing on guests that have also started their own company um, and talking about some of the adversities and some of the victories they had. But then the other, the other half of the show is based around answering questions that we've received. So uh, the email to send those questions into is going to be askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. And so we're going to spell that out for you. It's askmitch, M-I-T-C-H. Marcus, I'm messing up your whole day right here. I, mean, I, am mess- <laughs> I was going to tell you, I was going to put it on, on the, on yeah. the video. So. Um, it's Ask Mitch, <laughs> it's <okay>. M-I-T-C-H. <laughs> I'm, a ra- I'm an old guy, and I don't know that no they can put that stuff at the bottom. But <laughs> yeah. if, So if Marcus wants to throw this on here, it's okay. Man, I'm... They, they have these things now called computers where Marcus can digitally <laughs> impose the email what? on the screen. What? But since most of our audience <laughs> listens to this instead of watching it on YouTube, um, ask Mitch, ask Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, at M-I-T-C-H-S-M-E-D-L-E-Y dot com. Yeah, I can't. So. I've told Mitch this for freaking two months now. I can't wait. Till the questions come in and yep. we can say, we can literally guide people. It's going to be really success. cool to watch people just, circle back with us and say, Hey, I started my business two months ago and we're going like gangbusters. Yeah. And we've, and listen, people, we have talked about, um, maybe taking someone on in contests later, you know, that have sent questions in that say, Hey, yeah. You know, we're going to drag them forward. Kind of take them under our wing and help sure they help ensure that they get started <laughs> off in the right success. Whether they want it or not, yep. we're going to drag you forward. Yep. You know, and, and having, you know, guests on that have completely different experiences than we've had. Yep. I think is going to be the greatest part of this show. So if you have been watching some of these, I, f- I feel like they've been getting better. And, yep. when, and when people start coming on and sharing their stories, they're going to be more better is not the way more gooder more gooder <laughs> that's not how it's going to be but they are going to be right and, and i'm i'm extremely i'm extremely excited about it yep i just i i love what we're doing here and like like we've said a thousand times we're not making money right we're just doing this for we're just we're just people. doing this because it's our it's our duty to society to help others succeed, yeah we've so. put our time in we've made money we're you know we're sh- we're sharing that wealth right so, guys, remember, as as you're working through these episodes, if you like what you're hearing, please do us a favor and help share this show with anybody else that you know might need it. Uh, it can be pretty scary to watch somebody embark on self-employment without having some of this key advice. Um, most notably, you'll see people doing this on social media. They're, they'll pose a question on a social media group saying, hey, I just started my company, and what are you guys doing to get the phone to ring? Or I'm thinking about starting my company, but what should I do for vehicles? Or you know, there's a ton of questions out there revolving around people starting their own service-based company. So if you see that, please do us a favor and share a link to our show in those comments when people are asking those questions. Um, most of the people replying to those are very narrow-minded and they're kind of sketchy because you don't you don't have any way to vet the people that are replying to that. You don't even know if that guy owns his own company or if he's in his third week as, as that trade or whatever he's doing. So um, this show, obviously we have a lot more accreditation with this show. We have a lot more experience and, and we are here to help watch people succeed. So please do us a favor and, and help share the show. Remember also 
that we're on Spotify and YouTube and uh, Apple Podcasts and Facebook. So um, we would really appreciate uh, you guys helping us get this message out in front of uh, anybody who needs it. So um, until next week, guys, um, have a great week, and we will see you later. We love you guys. See ya. See ya.